This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. And welcome back to the second episode of the Definitive Draft podcast. Of course, this is with Raptors Republic. I'm Ro Sampson Folk, and today the Definitive Evan Mobley podcast. And I'm joined by draft analyst, a guy whose takes I've always admired, and whose voice notes and threads on Twitter about Mobley uh, really made me think, "Wow, this is the guy I need to bring on to talk about him." Not only that, but he sent me a Medium article that he wrote, which will also be linked. Of course, things have progressed since then. But Ben Pfeiffer, here to talk about Evan Mobley. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to talk about Mobley. I spent plenty of time tweeting and talking about him, even on, on Prep to Pro many you know, ages ago. Um, well, yeah, ex- excited to, to do this today. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to lean on your expertise as uh I want to do. So first things first, let's do the sales pitch. I, I know for a fact that Evan Mobley has higher stock, or it seems that he has higher stock than, let's say, Jalen Suggs, for example. Jalen Green, for some people, can go as high as two, maybe one, depending on the team, depending on what they think of that prospect. But Mobley, I think the consensus is that he's going to be two or three if he falls to four, that should be a really big deal. And if that happens, what would you say to excite Raptors fans who are now looking at Evan Mobley at the fourth pick? Oh, God. Just imagine, like, just an ultra-scalable, potential defensive superstar, big prospect uh, who can basically do everything on offense, um, you know, scale back in a smaller role uh, with some higher-end outcomes to do self-creation um, in a larger role, he's just, I mean, a, a spectacular, he's just a, a spectacular big man prospect who I don't think there's an easy comparison for just because he's so, so unique uh, in terms of, you know, I, I think the ceiling for him, I, I'm definitely probably one of the higher people on Evan Mobley, like, you know, not, not comparison wise, but he, he really has that, you know, number two, number two offense, uh, you know, defensive anchor on a championship team potential. So, um, Anthony Davis, uh, Kevin Garnett, like not necessarily like comparing them to those players stylistically. Um, but I really do believe that he has that level of impact at his ceiling, uh, along with being, in, in my opinion, one of the safe, one of, if not the safest players in this draft to be a positive, positive NBA player as well. So it's really hard to go wrong with Mobley. Um, I think he's someone who you could, well, I'm also a huge K guy. I think Cade's number one pretty clearly. But I like Mobley enough to where I think, you know, the right team and the right fit um, could take it number one, and that, that would be the right decision. Okay, excellent. Uh, for the listener, scalable means that your skill set is that it could fit alongside a lot of other players. Yes, And exactly. it can, for example, Steph Curry, his offense is extremely scalable because it's so efficient, and it can pair with a lot of different players, whereas DeMar DeRozan, his offensive style isn't that scalable because it's harder to plug him in off ball. So Evan Mobley being scalable, a lot of people talk about his jump shot. Is that coming along? Is it already there? The idea of a stretch five has kind of been, it's not really true in the NBA. There's not very many players who can do it, but we hear it talked about a lot. Basically, Carl Anthony Towns, a couple other guys can do it for weeks at a time, but there's not a ton of incredible shooters at that position. What do you make of Mobley's jump shot and how it will progress or translate to the NBA? Honestly, just touch on like scalability again. Because that was a great point you made about scalability. You know, fitting next to other players, but specifically fitting next to stars. 
like a guy like DeMar DeRozan, like, like you mentioned, at least the traditional idea of DeRozan, like, you know, he, he can fit next to role players, like guys who can, you know, cut and shoot and make secondary passes, but he's not, he's not as useful next to ball dominant stars who need, who need possessions like he does to be really valuable. Um, you know, whereas like Steph is the greatest off ball player of all time. Um, or someone like Lowry, is, who's you know been ultra scalable in in his Raptors prime, be able to work next to more ball dominant stars while carrying his own offensive load. And I think that's really the appeal with Evan Mobley for for a lot of reasons offensively. His jumper, I think, being one of them, if not maybe not the main reason. I think he's going to shoot. I'd I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't. Uh, you're right. Mobley is not like stretch five like. I don't think he's going to be an amazing shooter. Um, like you said, there, there are very few true seven footers who are really great three point threats. Um, it's like, like you said, it's like, um, like Jokic cat, like Jaron Jackson, like not Vooch, th- th- depending on yeah, the context. Yeah. I mean like Durant, obviously, but he's different. Moby doesn't need that. Like with, with how good he is elsewhere um, and all the other things he does, like he doesn't need that. I think, Really, for, for 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 scaling purposes, all he really needs, and I, I don't even think because he like he's gonna be like an elite role man and like garbage guy and passers like those are all scalable traits. But for for his high end scalability next to more ball dominant stars who who require spacing because spacing is so important, all he really needs is to be a threatening catch and shoot player, which one like is is not that difficult. Um, like we see players develop reliable enough catch and shoot jumpers like corner threes all the time i'm not saying it's easy or anything but it's not it's not crazy difficult um and mobley's foundation is also is, is at this point for his age and size and skill level is really really good um it's above average i think for for bigs at his age for sure um i'm, I'm so, like not a mechanics person and he definitely has mechanical issues um, it, the elbow flares. It's not the most fluid shot. It's like it's very sectioned at this point. Um, but like his his balance is all right. He's a hop shooter. Like he he hops into his shots well. Uh, he generates power nicely, and he has shown the ability to extend out to three, to you know even shoot some threes off of the dribble, which is you know the, the, the holy grail um, for you know tall pull up shooters. And if I was Evan Mobley's, you know, in charge of Evan Mobley's development, I would be, I would be instructing him to be shooting pull-up jumpers and pull-up threes, whether in games or in practices, as early as possible, because I want that to be a part of his game. I'm not saying it will be, but that's the direction I would choose to take with Evan Mobley because I believe he can get there. And then I think like all he really needs is to be able to draw closeouts with his catch and shoot jumper, because he can, you know, attack off the bounce. In that case, you you can't help off of him, which is really the issue with those non-shooters is. If you give the defense, especially a good defense, like a plus one, um, like allow someone to roam like a Draymond Green, then you're going to lose so much offensively. Um, So, yeah, I think Mobley is going to shoot like maybe his jumper doesn't get as much love as other bigs because like he does. I feel like he does so much other stuff. Like I I feel like if you threw his jumper and a lot of like lesser talked about big prospects, um, people would feel better about his shot. Than otherwise like he's not the the indicators aren't wonderful. Like he's a fine free throw shooter. Um, The best indicator to me. Uh, which I've done research on and, you know, others as well is he's an amazing like pull up two shooter when it comes to like his, like, not just his little photos and push shots, which we'll get into, um, but like his like 15, 17 foot pull up hang dribble jumpers, which is ridiculously impressive for a teenager. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've seen lots of examples of players really proficient in this area in college, maybe didn't extend out to range. Um, thinking like Kawhi Leonard, Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam is an example. So I think Mobley, that's certainly in the cards for Mobley. So I would definitely expect him to be a good enough shooter, good enough to not be a problem for sure. And I think, you know, there are outcomes in his range where he is a genuinely good shooter. Okay, so let's dig a little bit into more passive offense. I think everybody can tell with his length. Catch radius is something that um, Ben Taylor has maybe brought it into the, the lexicon, into the conversation for bigs on the roll more often. Mobley, as far as catch radius, something you've touched on before as well. He should be very dangerous on the lob and on the short roll. It's just, there's a lot, there's a huge window. You can get him to the ball as we've seen in the playoffs, getting the ball to a big going downhill is really, really important to get around certain types of defense traps, playing at the level, that kind of stuff. And bigs like Gobert and Porzingis particularly paid because they don't have the dexterity to deal with the ball in the middle of the floor 
it's either a charge waiting to happen or they're going to make the absolute simplest read. What is it about Mobley's game that makes you see that he can be a kind of connecting player on the floor like that? Mobley is uniquely qualified to do kind of all of the things that you mentioned that Gobert and Porzingis can't actually pretty specifically. Um, like you mentioned, his, I think like the most scalable thing is like, even if like, let's say like either a low end outcome or in a certain matchup, Mobley can't self-create. He's not able to, you know, the shooting isn't working. He's not able to work in the post or the, the, the short mid range or the face up jumper or out of horn or whatever happens. He can always just fall back to being an elite role man. Like you said, his, his, catch radius is really absurd you're totally spot on there like usc didn't have any particularly great passers on that roster they, they had some guys who could do it but they'd often trot out like four guys six eight plus um with mobley being de- the definite best playmaker on the floor uh, mobley and his brother isaiah as well but so evan often had to work with some passes that weren't the greatest and make the most of, of limited playmaking and spacing and just a poor offensive construction. And his length, like you said, his length is incredible. Like he can catch balls that few guys can't. Just imagining him with a passer like, like Luca or Lamelo placing the ball in exactly the right spot, him going up to get it. And then like, like he is also uniquely coordinated. And that's you know evident in watching even a second, like a play of his highlights. He just does not move like a seven-footer. You watch him and you go, oh, he's a nice move for someone who's like 6'6 six, six or 6'8. Six, but then you're like, no, he's genuinely seven feet tall. He's so coordinated. Like he can, you know, rotate his arms and catch the ball in midair. And honestly, like you'll see him just like tap in lobs and like uh, even when he's not able to dunk them or, or catch them clean, like you'll, you'll see him get a tap in or, or corral the ball where he definitely shouldn't be able to. Um, and, and then you mentioned like his ability to like process on the short roll. Uh, like he, he solves problems like a veteran at this point. And like, it's so fun to watch him like do that, but also figure things out and make things work with his tools. Cause you know, he's, he's 19. He's not perfect. He's still learning, obviously. Like there, there are plays where he will, um, like you mentioned, he'll catch the ball on the short roll um, and he'll have a guy come in to take a charge. And instead of, you know, barreling into them, like some less coordinated, burlier centers might, you know, he, he has the coordination to, to either, you know, whip a quick pass to the weak corner, uh, the short roll or, or a dump off, or he can, you know, just stop, stop, wait for the charging defender to either fall over or like lose balance and just shoot a little push shot over them. So yeah, I think Mobley can uniquely counter pretty much every pick and roll coverage is a big, cause you know, like he, he's going to be great operating in space. Definitely can have trouble with, you know, some more better off-ball defenses and more complex um, schemes. There were some instances where, where players were really smart off-ball defenders and, and good defensive teams gave him trouble. But again, he, he's still learning and still figuring out how to process complex coverages. And there's, you know, there's as, as there is with, with every prospect, there's going to be a learning curve, and that's to be expected. But I think Mobley has such a great foundation as, as, a, as a processor of the floor. Like, he reads the game like few big man prospects I've ever seen, or honestly, few prospects really. Like, he's pretty special in that regard on, on the role. So, yeah, I mean, he counters pretty much everything there. I mean, he, he can pop out as well. He, he has an answer for basically every problem, which is what makes him so special. Is there a specific context where you've seen him struggle? As you talked about where he might have been the highest playmaking talent on the floor, and let's say the ball wasn't ending up in his hands in the game, that off ball, is there a way for him to insert himself into games like that? How is his screen craft creating? Like, is he good at flipping? Can he flatten? Can he do all that kind of stuff? Is he carving out space for his guards? All that kind of stuff. What do you make of his his wheel greasing game, let's say? Yeah, he's a pretty good screener. I don't think he's anything incredible. Freshman bigs are like mostly bad screeners. Like or, or this this age, bigs are almost always bad screeners. I think he has his moments with, you know, like the coordinated, the the he has like ridiculously high hips, which is a concern. Um in, you know, in terms of adding muscle and I mean it doesn't affect his movement, but at this point but it could in the future um so like that, but but that does aid him as a screener at times where he's able to get really wide in his base um like you said sc- different screen angles um he is like but like what, what he is is like a really good off-ball screener like he will like scram switch guys out and like set off-ball screens um you know that look that look impromptu enough um like they could be schemed in but I, I don't think a lot of them are um he's a really good cutter as well when, when he's you know empowered to do that, oh, that's that's often not his role, but he can definitely cut as well. And then it's just like a garbage man, like he he's going to be really effective. Um, you know, like he he wasn't the best offensive rebounder by the numbers this year, 
Um, and you know, the, the strength is great, but he's so quick vertically, really physical, super physical, long, um, can crowd those. And then it's like, as like a dunker spot finisher, like he is an amazing finisher. It's like, he doesn't need a play drawn up for him. Like you don't need a roll, um, uh, you know, to get him on the roll or an Iverson cut or like a UCLA cut or something. Like if you just, you know, find him in a dunker spot, he can rise so quickly off of usually two feet, like power, power hop into, into his shot. And then just like go straight up and down, dunk it. Like he doesn't really bother with like flash or like crazy dunks, which makes him so hard to block. Like he just goes up and down and straight in the rim, um, which, you know, and you'll see him do some like vicious, like he'll, you know, be patient, uh, step through and just like dunk over to people. And like, it looks like Giannis because you just don't expect a guy to be able to standing dunk like he does until you see it. Like there are a few guys who use length as effectively as Mobley as a finisher. Um, like you'll often see him like do reverse layups where he genuinely like scoops his arm like under the rim and like you know he's not open on the right side of the rim say and he just like extends his arm all the way and his fingertip is at the rim. Length and the coordination and the know-how to utilize that length is really really great. So yeah, Mobley doesn't need any offense drawn up for him to, to impact. Obviously, you know he, he's going to be best when he does have that when he is involved and, and is planned. But you know you know Mobley, I think he's in time going to grow as a screener like most young bigs do and you know I, I i think he's too smart to you know to not be willing to do that and like he's too wired to like make the right play uh, and which is which is can be a concern for scoring development as i can talk about later but like he's so wired to, to like make the right play and like do the right read like make it's cliche but like make winning plays um you know so, so i think as like a like, like an off-ball big someone who you know, does that garbage work like the wheel greasing, like you said, I mean, he's pretty uniquely suited. The, the only thing is like, if he's not, if, you know, if, if the strength hampers him on the rebounding, which is definitely a possibility, especially early in his career um, or the screening as well. But again, those are, those are more short-term concerns, concerns to me is rather than something to be seriously alarmed about. Okay. That makes me think of, particularly with young pigs, you see guys who, when they're converged on in the paint, there's a problem, but it seems like a, it, let's say, you know, there's there's a lob pass where he's not being led to the rim. He has to catch it and bring it down. And obviously guards will come in and they'll dig down. They'll converge on him. There'll be pressure from a strong big behind him. If he can't go up, if he doesn't have the, the commensary strength, or sorry, commensary. Um, there's another word there. If he doesn't have the strength. Requisite strength. Requisite, sure. If he doesn't have the requisite, the requisite strength to do that at that point, he will be less bothered than most bigs we see coming out of the draft with the dig down. And he'll probably be able to make better reads against the tilted defense than most of what we've seen, which is, I think a lot of fan bases, that's their complaint with young bigs is that they can't attack advantages. They need to be led to the rim. That, that's been a big thing with Wiseman this year, who's probably become underrated, but not being led to the rim. What can he do? that kind of stuff. It sounds like Mobley has counters built into his game, but let's do on ball. Then you talked about advantage creation, a guy who can have the ball. Let's say it's the 45 extended. You might ask him to create a little bit, depending on how he's feeling in the game, depending on matchup. What do you think about the building blocks of that for him? Yeah, I think those, that's like where the high end offensive outcomes land. And like Mobley is not like never going to be like a primary offensive initiator on a championship team. You know, which is you know why I have him below Cade, you know ultimately because you know I think Cade can really be that and that's you know, so valuable. But I do think Mobley can be a really effective on-ball scorer in some unique ways. I mentioned mentality. I'll touch on that. Like Mobley, like has to like want to like to destroy people. Like he like he has to like believe and like internalize that so, like he can do whatever he wants, especially like you know in his theoretical prime. Um, because like I said, like he is wired right now, like the perfect like scalable like off ball big, like short roll passes, like passing out of doubles, you know, extra passes. I think you you know, which which you know, he's a great decision maker at this point. But I think, you know, if he can really you know, so self create, like I think he might be able to at his at his peak. You want to see him develop that mentality, which is it's always difficult to predict to what extent and you know if that can be fixed at all, you know, without any insight from basically like ten feet out. I think it's will work backwards. Um, I think a lot of his stuff, like his, his post-up game, um, I think is going to be fine as he develops. You know, I don't think it'll ever be like his his go-to just because, you know, the strength will never be incredible just because, you know, guys built like that, you know, like like Kevin Durant, like there's only so much muscle, I believe, they can really add functionally with someone that's, you know, his hips as wide, his hips as high 
his but like his touch is incredible and like i mentioned like the length on fadeaways hook shots like he has these like like eight nine ten foot like push shot floaters that he's legitimately releasing like above the rim that are just untouchable um and he can get to whenever you want and maybe they're not like the greatest offense in the world like like, like you're not building your offense around these shots but this 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 is efficient offense that evan moby can get whenever he wants like you'll see like i think like a complaint that people have about Giannis is that like he will often like catch the ball on the perimeter, um, you know, or, or even in transition and like barrel towards the rim without a plan. Um, and he's on like, he doesn't have like a intermediate game really, um, you know, like an, an unscripted intermediate game. Um, like, you know, he has like the face up mid ranges and some hook shots, but, like he, like he's never gonna, you know, get walled off on a drive um, you know, take a collecting dribble and just like push it over the defender from 12 feet. Like Giannis won't do that. Um, but that, and that's the shot Mobley wants. Obviously, you know, Mobley doesn't have Giannis's like bump Euro steps and just, you know, the ability to flatten guys. And that's, that's, that's not a comparison I'm making. I'm just stylistically thinking about, you know, like Mobley's going to be able to get to that shot whenever he wants. Um, and then like his handle isn't complex or anything. He doesn't need it to be. Um, he's a guy who has legitimate burst. Uh, relative to other bigs, at least like legitimate burst, flexibility, coordination, and like I mentioned, if he can, you know, draw closeouts, someone who I think can really get by those closeouts. Like you'll see him blow by bigs and like stride to the rim with one or two steps from the three-point arc. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I think then it's you know, like, is he shooting pull-ups? Like to what extent is the jumper going to be out? Seems like he's definitely going to be, you know, a, a really good from the mid-range face-up jumpers, elbow jumpers. Uh, maybe like DHO keeps, like, like I mentioned, the little floaters. Uh, to what extent can he extend that jumper out? I think that's definitely going to be a determiner of his ceiling. Um, I, I definitely don't know. And like I said, I think it's going to depend a lot on his development, his wiring, what, what he's empowered to do, his, his situation. It's just going to depend on, on what the coaching wants to do with him. But I, I just think like for, for every matchup, like, like yes, like I think strong guys will give Mobley issues. But unless you have like a really strong, explosive defender, Mobley can just shoot over them. I think counter Mobley theoretically um, is like you know you have someone who can really push him off of his spot and force him into uncomfortable, uncomfortable parts of the floor where he really has to make decisions, tough decisions. You know, like don't don't let him catch at you know seven, eight, nine feet. Like make him catch at fourteen, fifteen. Um, and and they're just like aren't a lot of big enough defenders. I think can really are going to be able to do that successfully at his prime, uh, you know, assuming he can hit these high-end self-creation outcomes, assuming his wiring gets, you know, improves. And then there obviously are those issues. The strength will have to improve. Um, the, the shot will have to improve. And I do worry about those improving in, with, in conjunction of each other because, like, I, I think the big question is how do you add strength while preserving his movement? Because obviously, like, like, his movement is so unbelievably special and he has to get stronger. And it's just how how do you add that strength while keeping him as fluid and coordinated and mobile and flexible as possible? And obviously, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not a strength trainer, um, but these are questions that whoever drafts and mobile are going to have to answer. And you know, they're important questions. And then obviously, like how do you improve his core to, to make his shot more fluid and, and smooth while you know also preserving his movement and his and his functional strength? Like, there's definitely going to be development challenges. But I, you know, all of that is, I think, again, pertaining to like his really high end outcomes, which is important for, you know, a top two pick, of course, or a top three, top four pick, especially uh, in this scenario. But yeah, I think, you know, some non-traditional self-creation, getting back to it, like, you know, not someone who's going to be running like high pick and rolls. I mean, I, I do think he can run like snug pick and rolls out of like DHOs and horn sets. I mean, he did some of that at USC. Like just, you know, just thinking about putting the idea in Raptors fans' heads of like four or five snug pick and rolls with, with Pascal Siakam, um, you know, two versatile ball handling big bigs. Um, you know, I think you could do some really funky stuff with that. But yeah, I mean, I think the self-creation potential is really there. Um, but definitely like, there are definitely outcomes where, where Mobley isn't able to do that consistently. Um, well, but like we talked about earlier, I think he's still valuable in those, in those universes because of the scalable, you know, off ball, big stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and feel free to correct me. I think that's what I'm going to do with this um, moment of the podcast. So based on what I'm hearing, based on what I've seen from film, it seems like he has the potential to be somebody 
who his floor is a guy who will take other bigs off the dribble, but at his current weight and his current handle, you could see smaller players be put on him at the NBA level, and they're going to get into the lower half of his body, try and push him that way, and then he'll have to become a shooter, which might dictate that he the jump shot has to come along quite a bit farther. Yeah. But if that does come along, you're looking at like an extremely dangerous big, not only because his floor is a guy who will take other bigs off the dribble, but that he'll also be comfortable shooting over top of smaller players. Yeah. I mean, it's just at what point does his core get to the point where you can't just straight bump him off of his spot? Because, mm-hmm. um, I, mean, I, I mean, you'll see him stride by and burst by guys off of closeouts and drives, but you'll also see like the six, seven college centers give him trouble because, you know, one, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's a blocking foul, maybe it's not, but, you know, you, you, you know, you have check him off of his, off of his spot and, and his drive is halted. Obviously Mobley is smart enough to where he can, you know, that that won't ruin a possession often, but for sure, I mean, that, that limits his, that limits his ability. You know, like I said, if you can get Mobley catching the ball deep enough, he, he can use his touch to kind of just like go over that problem. But as a perimeter initiator, yeah, I, mean, I definitely think, you know, the, the jumper will be a counter there that he needs. Um, again, these, like, again, like, can he, if he can just, like, rise over guys for, like, 16, 17-foot pull at mid-ranges, then, like, it's not really going to matter. But, you know, if he can't do that, then he's definitely going to need to add the strength. And you're going to be able to put, um, you know, put, I mean, like, I don't, I don't really think you can get, get away with, like, six, five strong dudes on him either way, like, this is not realistic, but like these, like six, you know, like six, 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 seven, like, like you could, I think early on, you could totally put like OG and OB on, on, on Evan Mobley and give him trouble from the perimeter. Obviously Mobley, like, like if you let Mobley catch 11 feet in against OG, he'll, he'll just shoot over him. Um, but, you know, further out, I could like, that's the kind of archetype that's going to give Mobley issues, I think. So. Yeah, I was thinking that too, that OG is uniquely gifted in a way and Mobley is... Yeah, I mean, he's obviously just, you know, one of the best defenders in the league. So, yeah, <laughs> gives let's, a lot of uh, let's dig a little bit deeper. Since this is a Raptors podcast, let's dig a little bit deeper into your idea of snug pick and rolls, DHO keeps, all that kind of stuff. Particularly with, because he could run those with OG as well, if Pascal Siakam is on the bench and they're staggering certain lineups, if Mobley ends up there, which would be a real stroke of luck for the Raptors. But... Van Vliet, OG, Pascal, and the Raptors at large. What do you make of the fit there offensively? And I, we'll spend quite a bit of time talking about defense later. I mean, I think it's great. Like, I, I mean, I, I, we, we often, like, we'll talk about draft people, like the Raptors as, like, the, like, one of the, like, development infrastructures you want young guys in. Like, you know, especially ones who, you know, maybe are less technically developed. Obviously, I don't think Mobley needs a pretty, a particularly special infrastructure to thrive, but, you know, Toronto certainly would not be of harm. I think offensively, yeah, I mean, you can do, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as privy to, you know, what specifically they do offensive schematically as, as you would be, or as, as many of listeners would be. But like you said, like there's, there's creative stuff you could do with you know with, with pascal siakam and and evan mobley running some snug pick and rolls or cross and twist screens or even running like some twirl actions with with og or van fleet involved um you know getting mobley working on curl screens either you know as, as the screener um you know using uh, another guy's gravity to, to get him involved create advantages that way and then you can get him you know around that 10 foot area that that dunker spot where he's gonna thrive and then i, I, mean, I think we didn't see this really at all at USC, but I wonder if there's utility to using Mobley as the guy just like screening for him. Cause I mean, to me, the best way, I think this is something been talked about, the best way to attack like slower footed pigs is to make them, is to put them in complex movement situations, not necessarily to just like straight attack them uh, in isolations. Cause it's a lot more difficult for almost everyone um, you know, almost every big man in the world, uh, par maybe like like Bam or Anthony Davis or Jaron Jackson, to to navigate, let's say, like a twirl action as you know, guarding the screener, than to just straight defend someone in isolation where they can give a cushion with their length and slide their feet, and maybe won't have to change directions as intensely. And you know, Mobley is such a great offensive mover that I think you can really punish other bigs in that way. Like that's a way you could absolutely like give Gobert nightmares. Like, 
you know, force him. Like, I, I think Gobert is someone who can definitely, like, you know, it's probably a little underrated in space, but force him to run off a pin down and there's nothing he can really do. Like, it, it doesn't even have to be a traditional pin down. Like, you can, you know, thinking, like, run Edwin Mobley, start him in the corner, like, out of a horn set and, like, run a double staggered screen to get him to 15 feet. Like, kind of, like, pin down into a curl like that, you know, with, with other guys, the screener and, like, it's just like big, most bigs cannot guard that. And then if they do, you have to force switches. And that obviously creates mismatches everywhere else where you can have guys like Van Fleet and Anobi and, and, and Siakam attack other ways. So and I'm like, I think I'm just what I'm getting at is like so many like creative ways you can unlock Mobley's skill set. You know, many that I'm sure like you or I could never think of. And some gene, hopefully some very smart offensive coach we'll get to, you know, toy with Mobley and, and create offense, you know, create offensive situations that we can never even imagine. So, yeah, I mean, I think the offensive fit is, is good. Maybe I think ideally, um, like, I'm not sure, you know, what the situation with Lowry is. Like, you want someone who can, I think, like, him having someone who can really shoot pull-up threes, like, consistently is is, is something you want for, for Mobley, just in terms of bending defenses. Like, it's, it's not a need, certainly, but it's something I think he could use a lot. But I mean, yeah, that's just kind of being nitpicky. Like, it'll be a good offensive fit. Yeah, I'll just to expand on like the Raptors end, and I'll lean on what you've said about Mobley already. But um, the examples you brought where he could be of use, and specifically watching in in my time watching Mobley's film, the Raptors in this past year, their worst year in a long time, they struggled particularly to get value out of the dunker spot with Aaron Baines out of the pick and roll with Aaron Baines and they got unique value out of Chris Boucher running him in, as you said, staggers, twirl actions, flares, all that kind of stuff. So the infrastructure is already there for Mobley to kind of step into actions that he would presumably fit quite well in. And especially since Fred Van Vliet is a point guard who is much better at hitting, you know, guys on the short roll than he is on the, the rim run. Uh, I think it fits quite well. And it also, Pascal Siakam was a guy who was in the 90th percentile or above in a lot of the big man playmaking metrics. You know, the, obviously metrics as far as playmaking goes, and if you want to get into the like the weeds on that stuff, it's tough to calculate. But the fact that they recognize him as a good playmaker and that counting stats do as well is a very good thing. And if you watch the the tape, you know that Pascal has made uh, a lot of strides and was mitigated by Baines's inability both as a shooter and in the dunker spot. So I think there's a very easy ability to plug in for Mobley in a lot of ways. So that sounds all very good. Do you want to, and actually let's just to get like into the micro stuff, certain actions you've seen him really thrive in passes that you've seen him make against certain defenses. Just if you could highlight some things you've seen that you really liked, if there's any specifics you have in mind. Like the elbow get smug pick and roll is really like the main thing that stands out to me. Like his, he and his brother, like Isaiah Mobley, who, you know, just, just a fantastic duo. Um, like, you know, having either, you can run him as, as the screener because he's an incredible lob threat and roll threat. You can run him as the ball handler because you can like make live dribble passes um, and, you know, pass with his length. I think thing with Mobley, uh, like his length, like enables passes, like wraparound passes that like other guys just don't have access to. Like you, you'll often hear about, you know, like tall passers being so valuable because their height just opens up passing angles. Like as as wonderful a passer as Trey Young as as Trey Young is, there are just passes that aren't available to him that someone like Luca can do. And obviously, Mobley has the height, but he also has the length where he can like, you know, snake his arm around a defender and hit a wrap pass or a lay down or something like that. Is there any cross court passes that you're seeing from Mobley often, like on the short roll? Is he, you know, yeah. let's say the weak side zone, is he playing the cat and mouse game and winning it often as a passer? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, there are definitely instances where, you know, like I said, com- more complex off-ball defenses can get to him. But I think especially this shines against double teams where it, it's just really difficult to double Mobley because he's so disciplined and, and you know, has the high-level processing to kind of shred those. I mean, you will rarely see him, like, panic and turn it over. Like, at the bare minimum, you'll see Mobley, like, hold, dribble the ball out and reset against doubles. And while that doesn't always create, like, a, you know, spectacular advantage, it's obviously better than a turnover. And, and then, like I said, you, you'll see him, like, catch and immediately whip, like, a weak side corner skip pass from, like, a, a dunker spot, uh, like, you know, short corner double. Um, like, that's a thing he'll do pretty regularly. I think of, like, 
you know, like, like the UConn game comes to mind earlier in the year where he just like consistently ruined those double teams. I think he did it against like maybe Arizona State as well. Like, I mean, he does it all the time. So, yeah, I mean, that's the type of pass where, um, you know, catching in that, you know, 15, 14, 13 foot area um, on, on either side of the key where, you know, maybe a weak side double will come. And then, you know, he, he, he's able to read and process that so well. Obviously, lo- longer and more athletic and bigger defenders and better off-ball defenders could definitely give him trouble early in his career. But because of how, you know, how instantaneous of a processor is, you know, how quickly he reads the floor, how quickly, you know, his, his sense of where his teammates are on the floor, his, his, his ability to, to read those spots and get those balls out. That, that doesn't even talk about his ability to just kind of like shoot over smaller double teams. Like if you send like a point guard at him on his left shoulder, it's not really going to do much because he can just turn and drop it over. So yeah, I mean, he's those, those double team passes definitely stand out. I mean, that's not specifically an action, but that, you know, that's an instance where I think his passing really shines. Okay. I feel pretty good about what we've discussed about his offense. I feel like that was pretty good. Do you have, before we move on to the other side of the ball, is there anything you want to highlight offensively for him? I think we've about covered it. I mean, you know, he's again, I th- offensively, like, again, just the scalability, the high-end outcomes, all of it's so great. Yeah. Okay, so when people discuss Evan Mobley, uh, Chris Bosh and Anthony Davis come to mind quite often for people. Bosh, I think, has been the comp for basically every kind of rangy and long big who has offensive chops in, in college. And Anthony Davis, equally so for defenders who are rangy. And long, like Jaron Jackson Jr., of course, got Anthony Davis comps. Evan Mobley, of course, was going to get the Anthony Davis comps. But defensively, and from a draft analyst that I know both you and I really, really like and think is very intelligent, he said that Evan Mobley was a better prospect than Anthony Davis. That doesn't mean that he's going to be better than Anthony Davis. That doesn't mean he's going to be Anthony Davis. Just that his current floor, his skill set, is a better starting place potentially than Anthony Davis. So defensively, I think it's where a lot of people see a lot of value in Mobley and the the offensive scalability, of course, is super valuable and defense plays a part in that. But let's do the cliff notes and we'll start to dig in what makes Mobley special defensively. Yeah, if if the offense sounded good to you, I think he's, we'll we'll start with Evan Mobley is a defense first prospect. Uh, That's for sure. I, I can probably guess who the, the, the draft analyst you're mentioning is. Um, I mean, I'm not privy uh, really to Anthony Davis. Like, I wasn't around for Prospect Davis. Like, I was like 12. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, from what I know, I, I think I'd agree with that assessment. Melby's mobility is on a different level. And, you know, we talk about the coordination and the fluidity offensively. Defensively, that, that shines just as much. Like, all of the kind of tools that we mentioned offensively, the, the coordination, the length, the fluidity, the, the, the flexibility, like his, phys, his intersection of physical tools, um, intelligence, like processing feel and technical prowess are one of a kind, unlike, like nothing I've ever seen. It's, it, it's an experience uh, on its own. And then again, like for the high end outcomes, we think about strength as a potential concern. But, you know, because, of course, strength can be improved and because of all the other ways that he compensates that strength, which we'll get into, I'm not that worried. And, you know, he's he's the very clear, obvious, best defensive prospect in this class, um, the best one I've ever studied by a mile. You know, and just unlike anything I've ever seen defensively, we'll, we'll tr- try to try to make that picture clear. Okay, so let's let's discuss where he stands out in his if if you're paying attention. Like I'm not sure if he went to EYBL, but at the very least at USC, what are the defensive situations you've seen him really shine in? Some guys it's you know navigating at the nail, some guys it's in drop. What have you seen from Mobley that's really nice? Um everywhere. Um <laughs> into it. Uh, we'll start with his rim protection, um, you know, both primary and weak side. Unbelievable primary rim protection, you know, as, as a center, it's, it's, it, it's fantastic. Like his timing and, you know, like along with the length, like his timing and, you know, his understanding instincts as a rim protector are, you know, beyond comprehension for a guy, his age. 
so so ridiculously special as a primary rim protector. You know, uh, you know, walling off on drives. He will you know hop up two feet. He gets off the floor so fast. No load time. N- not much. You know, not much load time at all on his jumps. Will we'll get up time blocks perfectly. Um, you know, the way he tracks the ball in midair is really special. Like you will often see him like turn his body with his incredible balance and body control in midair to track a ball, you know, on its way down or, you know, at, you know, or, or to get to a ball at its apex and, and block it without goaltending, without fouling, um, you know, just getting to a shot that he really shouldn't be able to, you know, his, his positioning is awesome. Very, very regularly in the right spot uh, to make blocks early on rotations. Um, just able to anticipate where 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 offenses are going and where drives are coming from and then where bigs are you know are making their moves to to contest and and wall up um and then you know even when he's not able to you know re- rely on the positioning his like his his tools will take over i think my my favorite mobley play of the of the year and maybe my favorite prospect play like, like all, all all cycle is it was in a game earlier in the season maybe like santa clara i'm not sure but he he wasn't perfectly positioned and he allowed uh, a driver to kind of like get past him in midair. Like he didn't really wall up perfectly, the you know, and so he was he was behind a guy you know, with a clear lane to the rim in midair. So what Mobley does is, you know, he takes his left arm and he basically like rotates it 180 degrees behind his body to block the ball like without looking. And it wasn't a foul. And it was just like one of those unbelievable things. And, you know, beyond that play itself being incredible, like that's just a good microcosm to me. To you know, Evan Mobley is just incredible. Like he does ridiculous things. And then even like as a post defender, like, yes, he's going to get thrown off of this spot. He's going to like, you know, you can drop a shoulder into Evan Mobley and send him flying backwards. Absolutely. And, you know, that was an issue where college centers would put him in the rim, which is not what you want to see from a seven foot center. But even when that's the case, like he often can compensate with his ridiculous reach. Like he, he will get thrown back and still be able to make a contest because of that length and that timing. Like you'll, you'll even see him block shots sometimes after being pushed back in the post. And then, I mean, that's just the primary protection as a weak side of protection because of the movement skill, but the long distance movement skill and instincts, he covers ground like no other, which is, to me, maybe them like the most important defensive skill in the modern NBA, um, you know, with how spaced the floors are and how quick the ball moves and how prevalent things like skip passes are and, you know, how teams are more and more trying to force closeouts, um, you know, attack tilted defenses. You know, Mobley will, can counter that with, you know, his ability to get it on the floor, cover, cover large swaths of court very quickly with long strides, being in the right spot. And, you know, like I said, time those blocks perfectly from the weak side. Um, and, you know, make those rotations coming from the corner as, you know, tagging the pick and roll, uh, many things like that. So the rim protection is definitely what stands out most for Mobley. But, like, he can do everything. Like, he can cover every pick and roll. Um, you know, you know he, he can drop. He can hedge. He can switch. He can ice. Uh, he can play at the level of the screen. He can play really deep if you want him to. He can, you know, switch on an island, it, you know, in a pinch when he's needed. Um, you know, I wouldn't call him, like, a switch big because, you know, they're those don't really exist right but he can you know he can slide with guards like like he routinely makes college guards look like children on the perimeter like sliding with them um yeah i mean you can stick him in the middle of like the raptors can stick him in the middle of their two three zone and let him block everything if they if they if they so if they so please um so yeah just the versatility defensively as well is just amazing um again like core strength the high hips you know, could definitely see an issue if you know some team decides to have him guard screens, which like almost no one's going to have the personnel to do that. Um, you know, like is he going to struggle against like guys like Embiid and Jokic in the post? Yeah, probably. Um, one like no one really has an answer for those guys. Like there really aren't like this goes for like much every superstar offensive player, not just post centric picks, but like who's guarding and beating Jokic in the post like no well, no even, one can re- even for yeah. the raptors like everybody wanted to pretend that it was just gasol on an island but the truth is that dig downs from lowry yeah. fred pascal og building that huge wall. part of that mm-hmm. yeah it, it's nobody is going against Embiid, and that's why he is a uniquely gifted player to just run a post-up offense through because 
there's nobody who can do it. So yeah, if, if yeah. Mobley can't do that, is that something you're losing out on compared to another prospect or a, a current player in the league? Not really. Yeah. Yeah, like of course Mobley's you know, he, he, he's gonna get eviscerated by Embiid on, on post ups. Big deal. So so what? So is ninety nine percent of the rest of the big men in the league. But you know, I, I, again for the Raptors, like someone a, a team you really believe in to you know provide that health defense in, infrastructure to have those like you said those guys they can get the nail the the weak side helpers to offer you know players like Embiid all they can handle. You know, there's there's only so much you can do against superstar offensive players. But, you know, and, and then even like there's going to be instances where, where Mobley, even in matchups where he's losing, can can win with length and timing and like pulling the chair and such. But, yeah, I mean, it's like he's going to have weaknesses there, but like it's it's far from a game breaking weakness, like or like, you know, a, a debilitating one, I think. Yeah. Uh, for Raptors fans to understand what Mobley might be able to do, even when he's beat um, Minnesota, is it Jaden or Jalen on Minnesota? They have Jaden. Okay, yeah, so, right. Jalen's on the Hornets, right. Um, On Minnesota, just a fantastic job of, he takes a bump from Siakam, and you can see he clearly looks like a guy who's out of the play. But that length, that ability to swivel and just get that huge go-go gadget arm back in the way can deter shots. And Mobley will be able to do that until... He puts on the, you know, however yeah. much weight he needs to carry to be optimized. Yeah, NBA, Mobley but. is, you know, a bigger, you know, taller, longer, better mover than Jaden McDaniels. Jaden's a great defender. Like, I was a decently big Jaden fan coming out. Like, And, like, Mobley's just like, yeah, it's a good, like, way to conceptualize it. Like, smaller guys who will lose in some ways but because of their other strengths compensate for those losses. And, you know, it's, it's all about having those recovery tools. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely Mobley is going to excel there. Okay. And then so a big, a big part of being a big man in the NBA is defending the floor in a different way than guards defend the floor. It's also why big men take usually a longer time to develop defensively is because as a big, you're guarding in proximity to the rim rather than your man a lot of the time. And proximity to the rim changes because the size of the court changes. How does Mobley move in concert with the size of the court? Does he play guys into the baseline as an extra defender? How are his hips and where is feet pointed when he's hedging on the pick and roll to deny the pass over top? Stuff like that. As I mentioned, like I, Mobley, you know, what is his many strengths defensively? Like he's going to be uber versatile in the pick and roll. Like often he was tagged, like responsible with, with high hedging uh, where he's, you know, totally able to, force guards all the way out to you know near half court and recover super super flexible hips like i mentioned he does have really high hips which definitely could be an issue as he puts on weight you know if those become stiff but right now like he has very flexible hips for a big man like he can swivel he can change directions in that way you know while he's sliding use those hips to change directions um you know again like not like incredibly perfect technically like definitely like can overplay hedges or like you know in in drop defense you know maybe you'll see plays where he's not positioned perfectly um but especially with with evaluating college bigs it's difficult to know um because i i think more than maybe people like people give credit for like a lot of defensive mistakes for like college bigs are going to be scheme related and whether that's understanding scheme or a fault of the scheme like those are different problems um, I don't think you'll have any problem with Evan Mobley understanding a scheme. Like he's 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 a genius, and he's not going to miss you. Um, you know, and it's it's not possible to know without inside information which plays are a fault of you know like whether or not that that layup or that jumper Evan Mobley allowed was a was a fault of you know poor processing or misreading the coverage, or if that was what he was instructed to do, or if that was a miscommunication by his teammate. But I think. Um, this is, you know, is it exactly what you asked, but I think it's salient here is he's an awesome communicator. Like you will see him like pointing and like directing traffic on the back line. I think one of my, like one of my favorite little Mobley moments in the season was really early um, where he, like I think multiple times in a game, he like, he like facilitated the scram switch where he like threw out his, you know, his guard who was matched up with, with the big in the post um, and took that matchup and, you know, was able to you know, save a mismatch and, um, you know, get those get get his you know defensive troops in order um i mean that's something you'll see him doing pretty regularly like pointing out to his teammates um, i think kind of 
like the, the way I like think of Mobley's defense is it, it's like his offense where he wants to make the right play and he wants to, you know, make the, the, the proper rotations and follow the coverage and the schemes. But often I think, you, you know, you'll see him, you know, go through this in real time and you can imagine him realizing like, Oh crap, like my teammates are not scheming. Right. I'm just going to take over and, you know, sprint from the weak side and then block the shot anyways. So, but I think in, in a more disciplined scheme, again, like, USC was far from an ideal context for him. He he made it work because he's special, but there were a lot of a lot of issues there, both offensively and defensively, with lineup construction and scheme. Like I said, like he was often playing with three other six eight plus dudes, which definitely has some advantages, but you know, as you can imagine, has drawbacks both offensively and defensively. So, I mean, I think technically, as you know, as a pick and roll defender, he the way he, the way he covers space is just the big macro takeaway. Um, like, like he, he he's not going to be, and you know, maybe listeners who don't don't know Mobley, you know, who watch the playoffs are worried about, you know, rightfully worried about, like, can you play this big man prospect off the floor in the playoffs? And with Evan Mobley, you know, I I say the answer is resounding, like almost assuredly no. Okay, and so particularly in the context of the Raptors, who, as you as you highlighted, his ability to to scram and to make reads like that, independent of anything else, and to well, if if the everything breaks down, he still has the sense to get over to contest the rim and stuff like that. It's just a guiding principle makes him a good defender, and when that's in concert with his his abilities, his his talent, and you know his extremely long extremities on his body, that works extremely mm-hmm. well. But in kind of the helter skelter scheme that the Raptors have run, which became, I guess, pretty famous across the league. Uh, I assume you're somewhat familiar with the Raptors defense. What do you make of him mm-hmm. as the five in that unit? I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, like being, being a, like, I, I'm not like perfectly into it. The scheme, I have an idea. I think he works really well in a help oriented defense. Cause not only can he orchestrate that traffic himself, um, you know, he can be a, you know, an active participant as well. Um, you know, being the backline defender communicator, um, you know, knowing he can protect the rim while having competent defenders digging and stunting and helping in front of him, while also being, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I don't think you you want him playing at the four like full time, but I think you know he's someone who can absolutely do it because of the ground coverage and because of his ability to be guy be guy like he. I mean, he, again, like he was never asked to do this, but like he, I mean, he should be like an incredible nail defender with his like ground coverage and length and and timing. Like he should be able to totally muck up mock up offenses at the free throw line or free throw line extended in range, um, you know, be able to make weak side tags and things like that. So, I mean, I think he works spectacularly. Um, you know, he, he can switch in a pinch if needed. Um, again, like, like you're not going to throw him on guards for an extended period of time because that's just a nonsensical thing to do, but he can do it if needed. Like he's going to be someone who can switch in a pinch, maybe even more than a pinch and, you know, be, be confident there, which again, is just so important like that he's not going to be a liability, especially in the playoffs where teams are known to target and hunt liabilities on both ends of the floor. And, you know, Mobley just almost certainly is not, in almost every matchup, is not going to be able to be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, projects is like a very futuristic big in that instead of having just these absurd, you know, a specialist in one area that's been hyper-focused on the court, like a post-up big, in, in a different era, he can translate to a lot of different contexts and find success in every single one of them. In his, in his year at USC, was there anything you were disappointed with that didn't come along like you would have hoped? Uh, that's a good question. Honestly, um, I, I guess this, this is a good excuse to talk about his development. I mean, I, I think the main thing would just be instances where he was not as aggressive as a scorer as you'd hope. Um, that's definitely the main thing I would say. Otherwise, I mean, there's really not much to be disappointed by, especially because getting a little bit into Mobley's background, like he was one of these, you know, one of those like sixth, seventh grade prodigies, like best player in the world at that, that age. And a lot of time players at that age, that young peter off when other guys, you know, catch up physically or, you know, skill wise. His, you know, his junior year of high school, Mobley was the best prospect in the world. Uh, number one recruiting services. Um, he played um, with, I believe it was Under Armour. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, Under Armour Adidas. It wasn't uh, UIBL, but like he, you know, he he had success against top bigs in those matchups. And then his senior season was really disappointing. 
Um, he just wasn't really as effective on either end. Um, his team construction was weird. Like he wasn't like featured as much as he should have. And he just looked really, really checked out. Um, and obviously he dropped a little bit per consensus and, you know, draft Twitter people were, were lower on him. Um, so then, you know, the, the question was, you know, what was he going to look like against better competition at USC in the Pac-12? I think he pretty, pretty immediately assuaged all of our concerns, um, you know, looking like his old self. Uh, in terms of you know monster defensively really you know the movement on offense and the offensive skill um yeah i mean i think like this is as you know as great of a of a season as you could expect from mobley you know like the things are it's really nitpicky like you wish um you know he wish he was more more effective to the score you, you wish he shot a couple more threes like maybe his three-point attempts per 100 instead of two could be four and, you know, also, you know, maybe, maybe you wish he played in a different context. Maybe you wish he had more matchups against top bigs. That's, that, that's definitely a thing where he kind of didn't really match up against a great big man until Drew Timmy in the, uh, the, the tournament. And he was, you know, he, he, he was pretty solid, I think, in, in that Gonzaga game as well. Um, obviously, you know, just team-wise overmatched. But, well, you know, he, he never really had the chance to, to go up against a great, like a really you know, great college bigs. But... All of that, all of those are just pretty minor concerns to me, many pretty minor disappointments. So, um, yeah, I mean, going coming into this process, in this draft pro- prospects, like tentatively positive, but I think that was definitely uncertain about Mobley. Like, there was definitely a world where he disappointed and was like a more six, seven, eight range prospect than like this surefire, you know, one of the best prospects of the decade type prospect. So. Okay, and so something I've learned after talking to a lot of draft guys is not asking for predictions, but let's do a range <laughs> of outcomes. What is your range of outcomes for Evan Mobley? And feel free to take as short or as long on this as you'd like. Yeah, range of outcomes are, are, are definitely a, a better way to think of it, I think, than like comparisons or like mm-hmm. straight up what is it because I think th- thinking about, you know, how a prospect fails and, you know, what happens if a prospect fails is really important to me at least. Um, like, cause that's often like very, very more nuanced than it gets credit for. As we talked about high end outcome, um, you know, maybe impact wise, the best player on a championship team, not the probably, probably not the, the primary driver of their offense, but all, all defense, defensive player over the year level player. Um, and like an offensive number two, like, like, like I said at the top, um, and, but then even a low end outcome, like you probably can like I'm trying not to like get carried away with this but, like I really think like his like low-end outcomes are like you know he approaches all-star impacts like at some point in his career like I just have such a hard time seeing Mobley completely failing because of just how special he is like, like, like even if he's not self-creation self-creating even if his shooting is just like average or a little below average like he's still going to be an incredible role man um, and he's going to have the passing and, you know, the big man dribbling and simple DHOs and, and actions and defensively, like the weak side of protection, if he's not strong enough for primary rim protection and he's going to be able to, to be mobile and pick and roll coverages and, you know, be a useful playoff big man. So I think, you know, maybe like just like top, I don't know, like top 50 player ballpark, top 50, top 60 low end. Uh, that's not like a concrete number. Like don't, don't take it as gospel, anybody. But um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my like. I have a really hard time imagining him really busting. Like he he's kind of as foolproof of a prospect as as as, as he's as foolproof of being man prospect as they really come, which is I think definitely rare in you know a league where big men are becoming you know the demand and like the, the pressure on big men is like greater and greater for them to you know do more and you know be be more things and play more roles and cover more weaknesses. Um, and, but, you know, part of that is what makes Mobley really unique. Cause I think he's kind of like, he's kind of proof to that. It's also interesting that his, his low end outcomes, you know, with what you're saying, with what I've noticed myself is that his low end outcome still seems to be a guy who will translate extremely well to playoff basketball, which is a very unique and interesting thing for a big man prospect as well. Yeah. That's super important as well. Like, May like somehow in some world he doesn't become a starter, like which I just you know can't fathom. But like if 
if it happens like he's someone you you know who's going to be useful like i said like he can you know he can play at the level of the screen against you know really dangerous pull-up shooters um, you know if you get him on a team with a really dangerous pick and roll initiator he can roll hard to the rim catch lobs uh you know just catch catch errant errant passes as well and finish strong or make simple passes simple decisions like like additive stuff like he is like unlike he is like the perfect ceiling raising prospect like he's a guy who like again like if you just have Mobley and like no other offensive engine like it's probably not going to work but if you have those pieces in place which is you know why he's such while you know he's at the same time a team building challenge and you know a team building blessing because of how scalable he is but you know you're getting places because he's someone who if you have the pieces he can i think really raise the ceiling of both your offense and your defense with additive skills shooting you know like the, the passing the touch stuff the uh, the play finishing those are all like really additive skills um you know which i think mobley is going to be great at even if he isn't someone who can contribute his own offense as regularly as maybe he could okay uh the last question i'll ask you before we get out of here is probably the most difficult one and if you're angry at me for it, I understand. But we've seen in the NFL, this is a really big thing. In the NBA, prospects have gotten to such an advanced point, especially at their age, considering where the NBA comes from, guys who are playing three or four years in college, then came and dominated. But now you have guys like Luca or Trey Young, really young guys who are on rookie scale contracts who are contributing to extremely impressive teams. Obviously, Trey on an Eastern Conference Finals team, Luca, you assume that they'll get over the hump the first round in yeah. in his rookie contract. A lot of it, whatever that looks like. You know, yeah. give Luca the Hawks and their contender. Like right, yeah. What do you what do you make of Evan Mobley's rookie scale contract? Is there do you think there's an opportunity for the team that drafts him to be able to have him as a focal point of a very very highly achieving team while he's on that contract? I think so. It's not going to be as clean as someone like Luca or Trey because he's not an initiator mm-hmm. and just like, you know, or even guys like, you know, lower level primary, like, like, like John Donovan, um, you know, just young primary guys like that, um, where it makes sense to kind of construct a team around them. Like it'll look different. Like it, it won't look like you just don't see a lot of prospects like this. Um, but I definitely think, you know, by like age 22, Mobley could be a guy who is, you know, approaching that, you know, depending on his offensive development, I think he's already going to be an amazing defensive player by then. Um, and, you know, building team, you know, building teams around defense, maybe isn't as talked about like the mainstream and guys like that, but like he is your anchor. And then depending on the offensive development, like I could definitely see like by the end of his rookie seal contract being like the second best player in the championship team. Like, absolutely. Like, and again, it, it's going to take creativity and it's not going to maybe be as clean and as, maybe um, I'm not sure the word like as traditional as like Luca or Trey or even like, like the new wave of stars we're seeing, but I, de- I definitely think it's feasible, even if not guaranteed, but it's definitely feasible, especially okay. the fact that Mobley is a little bit older, which is kind of a concern. I'm not like, just because of how good he is and his development curve. Um, I'm not like largely concerned. Like he is already 20 years old, um, which is a bit old for a freshman aged rookie. But again, it's not a huge concern for me, given where he's at in his development. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about regarding Evan Mobley before we let you get out of here? Um, not really. I mean, I think it's probably a long shot that he makes it to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, um, if, I, if, if we've gotten Raptors fans' hopes up <laughs> after this. Um, I mean... Yeah, it's I'd say like you know there's going to be a good option at four for sure, um, even if it's not Mobley. I mean I think you know Mobley shouldn't get past two. I I definitely think I could see him getting to three. I don't know about getting past. Um, I also think I also think Mobley is someone you push your chips into trade up for if it's if at all possible. Like if he slides to three and you think Cleveland is taking Mobley, to me he's someone worth going for. In, in a trade-up because the gap the drop-off between him and anyone else you can get is is gargantuan so that's where i'd stand if anybody with with power in that front office here's this like go trade up for mobley uh he'll be worth it um but yeah he's 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 fantastic and just you know definitely one of my few favorite guys in this class like he's just an, just an experience to watch him play 
like there are truly few players like him um you know even even like the bad games have moments where you know he's just doing crazy stuff so he's he's just so fun to watch and I definitely think the Raptors would be a good spot for him developmentally and, and fit-wise. Um, I just, you know, I wish him the best, and that would be very cool. There's there's roughly like 5,000 people who listen to this podcast, so hopefully somebody in the Raptors organization <laughs> says, we're trading for Mobley, Ben Pfeiffer sent me, let's make it happen. But uh, the floor is yours, man, uh, to plug anything you want or – you know, if you don't want to plug yourself, some people recommend books. Whatever it works for you, the floor is yours. And uh, yeah, um, I am taking a little Twitter break for mental health at the moment. Uh, would would recommend that to people definitely. Um, you know, it's it's okay to take care of yourself. Um, have you? I don't know if you had if you had someone plug positive mental health messaging, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, it's okay to not be okay but yeah I mean I'll be back on Twitter eventually definitely before the drafts when I'm there you can find me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore on Twitter um, I post clips and just like voice threads about prospects in my like low effort return to like draft stuff um, yeah just whatever else um, not I don't think I have anything else to plug uh, take care of yourself <laughs> Uh, and, you know, just in, enjoy prepping for the draft. Draft season is really fun. Uh, it's definitely, you know, my favorite time of the basketball year. Um, so and thanks. And a big thanks to you for having me on. This was, this was a blast. I've, I've had, yeah, an absolute blast talking about it. And positive mental health messaging has not been plugged. <laughs> You're a trailblazer and a good one at that. But, Ben, thank you so much for coming on, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay. And listener... Uh, it, it really depends when you end up listening to this. Whenever Ben does hop back on Twitter, uh, I'll make sure to just go back and link his stuff in the piece once that's available to link. Right now, it's a dead link, but it will be live if you're listening to this you know, down the road and you want to go click him and follow him for more info because he's not just a Mobley guy. He's, uh, he's got his eye on a few prospects and has valuable insights on all of them. But thank you very much, listener. But they got into this in the morning or at night. Uh, Mobley at four would be quite a lucky stroke. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Have a blessed day and goodbye.